Welcome to Attributions. In today's episode, we'll be reviewing all the things that happened at the COP28 climate conference that concluded last month in Dubai. We'll be going over topics that include loss and damage, climate finance, adaptation goals and the adaptation financing gap, carbon markets, and importantly, fossil fuels. We hope you find this episode informative. Thanks again for listening. One of the headline-grabbing moments of COP28 was the landmark agreement on loss and damage. This is a big deal. For the first time, nations have agreed to fund assistance for those most impacted by climate change. We're talking about countries facing severe weather events, rising sea levels, and more. Right now, it looks like the World Bank will be steering this ship and managing this fund. So far, at least at COP28, pledges from wealthy nations total to around $700 million, It's a step towards acknowledging and addressing the inequalities of climate change. However, there's no shortage of critics lining up to say that the pledge funds are nowhere near enough. For example, Harjeet Singh, the head of global political strategy at Climate Action Network International, a coalition of almost 2,000 climate groups, said that the initial pledges made at COP28 pale in comparison to the colossal need for funding. Now, according to Mr. Singh and others, the total amount of funding needed will reach into the hundreds of billions of dollars every year. In fact, a Guardian article recently stated that the $700 million pledged so far is actually only 0.2% of what is needed. But COP28 wasn't just about loss and damage. Climate finance in general was a pretty hot topic issue at the conference. Now, remember the $100 billion goal set by developed nations to help developing countries with climate initiatives set way back when? Well, we're still not there yet, but there was, according to some, progress. Now, COP28 agreed to draft what they call a new post-2025 finance target before COP29. But given the history, these new pledges and new commitments are still fighting against a wave of mistrust surrounding many finance commitments and pledges from rich countries to poorer ones. Now, this was actually highlighted by former COP27 president Shamir Shukri, who said in comments aimed at developed countries that most of what is put forth as tangible solutions and actionable commitments is actually based on what he calls speculation or well wishes. Now, he cited the $100 billion promise or the failed $100 billion promise from rich countries and also weak replenishment pledges to the Green Climate Fund as his main examples. With climate finance being a hot topic issue at COP28, adaptation to climate change was also a major theme. The conference doubled down on financing for adaptation, which at least meant for them setting ambitious goals for water security, ecosystem restoration, and health by 2030. But there's a catch. The language around financing these initiatives was somewhat diluted, leaving many to wonder about the real commitment to closing what they call the adaptation finance gap. For example, Reuters said that COP28 called for adapting to a warmer world without resolving how to pay. The annual financing shortfall for adaptation is as much as $366 billion, according to the United Nations Environment Programme. But despite this, there was some progress on making up for this shortfall, with the Green Climate Fund seeing $12.8 billion of new money pledged to the fund, 
with half of this likely to go towards adaptation projects. Still, this is a far cry from the projected financing needs for adaptation projects in developing countries. Now, despite this, Mafalda Durate, the Green Climate Fund's executive director, said that the international community did make progress on what she calls writing the scales. She added that going forward, there must be more global solidarity to safeguard communities from climate change impacts. This kind of chatter is particularly pertinent for developing countries who don't have the funds to adapt to climate change. With all the talk about climate finance and climate adaptation, there was still a lot of debate around fossil fuels, which is, of course, what causes climate change in the first place. Now, COP28's final text included commitments to reduce emissions in line with limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius and reaching what they call net zero by 2050. But there were setbacks too. The language around phasing down coal was weakened, and there was now talk of transitional fuels in the text, which was, as critics suggested, basically another way to say gas, which is a fossil fuel as well. However, transitioning away from fossil fuels was mentioned for the first time in the text. So while it's taken 30 years of climate negotiations for the fossil fuels to be mentioned in the text for the first time, it did lead to many suggesting that this really marked the beginning of the end for fossil fuels. For example, a Washington Post headline said that the new text made it clear that the fossil fuel era is ending. But will the era end quick enough is the next question, as climate change's impacts are growing worse and worse by the year. This, however, didn't stop former US Vice President and climate advocate Al Gore from showing a little bit of optimism, where he said, whether this is a turning point that truly marks the beginning of the end of the fossil fuel era depends on what he said, the actions that come next. Now, there were other heated debates at COP28, and carbon markets comes to mind. These markets, at least to their proponents, are vital for what they call cost-effective emissions reductions. But they're still surrounded by skepticism. Now, COP28 couldn't reach a consensus on how to supervise these markets or account for the different types of credits, which leaves a big task for the next COP, COP29, to ensure that these markets are credible and that they are effective. So this also extends to the role of nature. Now, there's an increasing understanding that climate goals need to include what they call nature-based solutions. Think forest conservation, sustainable agriculture, and protecting our oceans. The conference set a promising goal, for example, of ending deforestation by 2030, but much like climate finance in general, nature finance is another debate full of differing opinions. Questions like who will pay, who will benefit, and how those benefits from nature will be shared are really far from being resolved. So there's still a lot of work to be done on these topics in particular. So in wrapping up, COP28 really was what they call a mixed bag. While it did manage the, for example, logistics of the largest COP in history and also reach some significant agreements, there was still a sense of incremental progress rather than the transformative change that many argue is needed. This didn't stop people like US climate envoy John Kerry from defending the progress that was made, who said, it takes a long time before the ship turns. Mr. Kerry also asserted that progress is speeding up, saying that the message that came out of COP28 is that there's no turning back from moving away from fossil fuels. 
Whether or not that inspires confidence in others is a different question, as climate change's impacts expand and intensify across the planet. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time on Attributions. If you found this episode of Attributions valuable, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel, follow us on social media, share it with your friends and with your network, and visit our website at www.climateimpactstracker.com for articles and more. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again on the next episode of Attributions.